The following is a member of the Burke Reviews podcast family. BurkeReviews.com Hey everybody, welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke. With me this week, Corey Starr. Special guest Corey Starr, as always. Hi. Yeah, special. You are special, but in a in a the best way possible. Um, okay, perfect. No, uh, good save. We um get together every week and we talk about movies and. Uh, we don't always say this in the podcast, but we started this podcast because Corey and I both have giant, massive gap list of movies that we've not seen. Um, some that we own and some that we know we should watch. And this podcast makes us watch them, right? Yeah. And it's a lot of fun. Uh, we get to talk about movies that we've seen outside of the podcast, too. We, we do like a little bit of, you know, what have you been watching lately? Um, and we, I just literally got home from a movie right now, like maybe 15 minutes ago. And I'm also talking to one of my students who just saw a movie that I know Corey saw, uh, the other night I saw, um, a week ago for, at a critic screening and we'll definitely get into a little bit of hereditary talk. Uh, but before we do that, Corey, how you doing? I am doing well. I, it was a long week. I'm so glad it's the weekend. I get my hair cut tomorrow so I don't have to shave my own head. It's good. Oh. How are you? Well, I do shave my own head um, twice a week, actually. And, hey, uh, that's commitment. I probably should do it more, but I'm too lazy. And I am still recovering from a cold. I think I was sick when we recorded one of these. I don't, Yeah, we recorded on Saturday. I, I think I started getting sick on Saturday. I was <laughs> sick... Um, I'm sorry, no, I've, I've recorded a lot of podcasts this week because I recorded a Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, our May episode just dropped, and I, uh, I'm doing a new podcast with Matt um, on his podcast, What I Watch Tonight uh, Show, um, where we will do a monthly podcast where we analyze a year. We call it Movie Astrology. So the first movie that we, the first year that we did was 1988, and so we broke down 1988 with historical facts, we looked at the top 10 movies. Um, I mean, we, we went into detail about all the movies from 1988, not every single one in detail, but we talked about a lot of stuff from 1988, um, who died that year, like actors, celebrities that died or were born that year. Uh, interesting enough, Michael Sarah and, uh, May, I'm going to forget May's last name, but May played Roxy in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, born two days from each other in 1988. Oh, interesting fact that we learned. But, and then at the end of the movie astrology episode, um, I and Matt have decided on uh, we're dubbing the year because it's movie astrology. So, you know, like the Chinese New Year has like the year of the dog, the year of the dragon. So we're going to assign every year a, a specific astrology sign. So if you were born in 1988, you have to listen to the episode to find out what the year is. But we also d- give a little horoscope at the end um, that it plays on some of the movie. It's fun. It's a fun podcast. Uh, but we recorded our first episode the other night and I was sick as a dog. So I'm pretty sure you'll just hear me coughing every 15 minutes or so but john thinks it was a really good episode but he was really just no i'm kidding <laughs> yeah i was so out of it i i'm just like mumbling <laughs> no, <laughs> there was no podcast i made it all up it was oh, a fever no. dream um, matt's going to message you what are you talking about I'm yeah kidding. no but uh do um check out not just mine because matt actually is doing all these different podcasts right now under the the you just That's have to crazy. subscribe to one what i watch tonight the show the uh, what i watch tonight show 
and there are tons of different uh, topics. He does interviews with other reviewers, but he's got a, a Harry Potter one he's doing right now, a comic book one he's doing. I mean, it's it's amazing. I, I created a monster. I got him to do our podcast once, and now the dude's just going ham and making all sorts of podcasts. So I'm proud of him. Uh, he's a good friend, and I'm, I'm glad to see he's putting out all this content for you guys for free, absolutely for free. Um, you know, he's my uh, UK counterpart. What can I say? But... Um, that should be dropping any day too. I want to talk about what we've seen though, Corey. I want to start with you. Have you seen any oh, movies? No. It's you been know a while. I did. <laughs> I, I do. I know at least one. Um, so I I started and finished Penny Dreadful, the show, seasons one through three. I don't know where I was last time we talked, but uh I hadn't seen the last season before it got cancelled. So I had to watch all of them because it had been a little while. And a credit at the end. And also, Josh Hartnett, I love you. Um, and then, obviously, I watched our movie for the podcast. And then last night, because <coughs> I think I hate myself, I went to see Hereditary on the first, on the opening night of its wide release. Oh. And how, it was in, yeah. How busy was your theater, I'm wondering? It was pretty busy, but I actually think that we were the jerks in the movie theater. I'm sorry. Oh. Um, we were just, like, trying to, like, figure it out, you know? It's that kind of movie. We're like, what's going on? And um, so there were four of us. And we weren't being loud. We were being very quiet. And we were trying to do it when there was noise. But also, I think that I'm just not going to buy popcorn anymore when I go to these scary movies. Because they're all quiet now. And I'm super self-conscious when I try to eat my popcorn. (laughs) But um, yes, I don't know how much we can talk about hereditary uh well we definitely don't want to spoil it because yeah it's, it's only been out for just over 24 hours yes. um, officially go see it in the theaters everybody if you're even a little bit interested i think that this is a movie that definitely deserves your attention on the big screen yeah and i would say um the sooner the better so that maybe you can see it in a bigger screening room because I, mean, I don't know about you guys but my theaters we have really big which i got to see it in last night but then it's like really we have really small theaters too so i i I saw it with just maybe eight other critics um and and our guests so maybe not even it might have been 16 people total um and i i still had yeah in a in a normal size you know theater which is that's not uncommon for a critic screening in orlando where you know there's only so many of us and um and some get earlier screenings because there was another screening in Tampa that same night. So, I mean, things like that oh. pull us apart and whatever. So, um, and it's also like this movie was a, a, a it's premiered at Sundance. It was at South by, and I think it played somewhere else in between that. I might be wrong, but I feel like there was another festival. It was at, was it at Tribeca? Uh, it was not at Tribeca. I, I missed it at South by and I had tickets for it, but they delayed the start because of, uh, ready player one's premiere. And, it was already like a midnight screening, so they was going to start at like one and I was a baby and I just didn't want to go to a two hour movie at one o'clock in the morning, especially a movie I heard was really, really scary. So I didn't do it. Um, so I waited and I saw it last week and even there, um, the people in the, the room still reacted and I've been to a lot of critic screenings at this point, all A24 because they they do me well over here. Um, we love you, A24. And that's not just because you give me free movie access. It's no, we've loved you. Yeah. We're like, oh, gee, you keep, loving you. You keep making good choices. Um, there's been a couple of films that I didn't click with. I didn't click with The Witch, which I was worried about Hereditary because I'd heard a lot of people saying it's the new witch. I'm like, uh, no, 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 mm-hmm. it's not. It's not. And um, it's not at all. And 
other than it's a twenty four horror and it is atmospheric and it is uh, it's not going to be. The, they, uh, mm, I, I don't want to say way, anything. Like I, I'm. Well, I do want to say this because it blows like the it blows it out of the water with the atmosphere. Like everything that I was hoping for the witch from all of the trailers that we were seeing and all that stuff. I was just expecting to go in and have all this great atmosphere and just whatever and I didn't feel like it I didn't feel like it paid off it didn't it never even came close to you know what I mean and I think that they did such a good job with the witch and not the witch sorry with um hereditary and I think that Tony Collette needs to win all the awards I love her anyways I've been a fan of hers for a while and this was one of my favorite performances um actually I thought the cast was really strong regardless but I did feel that Gabriel Byrne wasn't the best I've seen him not that he was bad but i just i don't feel like he gave much to the movie um not i don't know how much more i would have wanted there's i have very little complaints mind you so this is a nitpick but i did when i was watching it there was like two little moments throughout that i was just like "Mm, that's not as strong as i feel like it could have been given what's happening everywhere else like it's just yeah it's so so good and um we don't want to give away any plot points or anything which uh, I was really impressed with a lot of the marketing for this movie, but ah, I loved the they were like selling the dolls on Etsy. I don't know if anyone oh. else knows that. I keep telling people, and they're like, "What? And I, I want to buy them." Yeah, they were making they were selling these dolls that were made of like the found things, like you see in the trailers. Well, That's not giving anything away. But I am I am I desperate to see this again, and at the same time, not sure I want to. And it's it's such a weird feeling because I, I I can go watch it with my movie pass because I saw it for a critic screening so I can still go see it, and I I don't know that I want to. I'm not letting Kathy watch it, um, main, oh, mainly because it. of one moment in the film that I know will like just upset her so much. Not like in a horror way, just in like it, I mean it is a horror moment, but it's also like I know my wife well enough that I just I I don't trust it. Um, but my daughter loved it and. Uh, like yeah it's been fun watching some of my friends on instagram like post their like their thoughts after seeing it like how freaked out i've seen people um it's pretty great i don't know the last time i've seen a horror movie really get to this many people you okay so i love the conjuring i think you're a fan too i am yeah the the first one especially one of the best horror movies ever made ever like not even just in my (laughs) lifetime and there were, it, like, kind of, Hereditary kind of reminded me of that with, like, the atmosphere. And there's another point, there's a part in there that reminds me of a part in The Conjuring. And not in a bad way, but it it was fun. Like, I don't react a lot. And it was creepy. Not as creepy as The Babadook, but it was pretty creepy. Uh, I don't know. I think it does a good job of... There's a lot. Um, I mean, I could, we could do a whole spoiler episode on this. I kind of want My- to. Maybe, like... <laughs> Maybe we, we should find some fresh on my mind. I think maybe we should find a time to like just do it, and we even don't post it right away, like wait a week or something, so that people had more time to see it. But I gotta say, one of the reasons I want to really push people to go to watch this is A twenty four doesn't usually do this wide of a release, and it's in my local theater. Um, it seems to be in every theater across the country, and yeah, they said it's it's everywhere. They, it's, I you need to where see they it because this doesn't happen enough with A twenty four films, especially this early in the year. So I desperately want uh, everyone to go and put the money into this movie because it deserves it. Um, even if you're not a super hardcore fan of horror, uh, I would say probably avoid it if you're not a fan of horror at all. Like if you get scared super easy, because it will stay with you. Like I cannot I... shake an image out of my head from this movie. <sighs> Um, 
I was afraid, and I know that you said that someone was having bad dreams. I was afraid that I was going to dream about it. I don't dream a lot, but... I, you, you know, know what? what? I haven't dreamt about it, but I will talk a moment of a show I started watching the other night, right before I went to bed, and I, I had a dream about that, and I'll briefly talk about that. Um, I guess I'll, that was the last thing you saw, right? Hereditary and then Milk, which I don't think I've mentioned, by the way. We're reviewing Milk this week. Um, sorry, folks. I got sidetracked with my A other... movie that yeah. has been on my watch list for <laughs> I can't even tell you how long. I have so much to say about Milk. I can't wait to get to it. Um... But let me go back real quick to, uh, we recorded last Saturday. Um, Saturday, I went and saw Action Point, the new uh, Johnny Knoxville movie. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's really bad. Um, it's really boring. And it. I was really freaked out because MoviePass said it was two hours. And it was like an hour and a half into the movie. And I'm like, how is it another half hour? Like, okay. But it wasn't. It was luckily only an hour and a half. So MoviePass's movie times are not always accurate. Um, well, that's good to know. Yeah, because I was, like, really, really freaking out that I'm like, how is this going to go for 30 more minutes? Like, this is the end, and then the credits roll. I'm like, oh, okay, good. It is the end. Um, but then I went and saw Upgrade, which was another South by Southwest uh, pickup. Uh, have you heard of Upgrade, Corey? Um, I have, and I'm trying to remember who's in it. Um, it's only one guy that is super famous, uh, and I think super famous is an overstatement, but he is in um, The <gasps> Invitation. It's uh, Logan Marshall Queen. It is, and he is amazing in this they movie. Had, I was, like, walking by the the poster is, like, so, like, intriguing. Well, so, and, yeah. th- this is when you know it's an interesting setup, because I, uh, I missed it at South By, but I heard people talking about it, and I was like, man, I really want to keep my ears open, and I didn't think... I would get to see it when it came out because I didn't think our theater would get it, but we did. Um, so I went and saw it on, I think Sunday night and yeah, I think we recorded, I recorded something. I don't even know anymore. I did something. And as soon as I was done doing whatever that thing was, I went and saw the movie and, um, I was sitting down to my screening and I got a text from Brendan, our friend of the show who I had not spoken to for probably about a month. Um, and he was like, dude, you need to go see Upgrade. I'm like, dude, I'm in the theater right now. Like, I'm like literally sitting down to watch <laughs> it. And he had just got out of it at the uh, Winter Haven Theater. And he's like, it's really cool. I'm like, oh, I can't wait. And I agreed. It was, it's super fun. It's a, it's an action horror sci-fi. Um, some of it is very straightforward, uh, kind of paint by numbers genre, but they do some really cool stuff with it. And, uh, some of the visuals are awesome. It's definitely heavy action, um, and a lot of violence. It's R, I would say it's R just for violence. I don't think there's a lot of cursing in it. Um, there's no nudity. Uh, it's just a lot of violence and some of the violence is pretty like, like I gasped at one point. It was like, Oh, oh my goodness. Um, but yeah, it's awesome. Um, super, super good. Uh, I got a screener for a film called Kid, A Kid Like Jake that has an actress that you love who I can't stand, Claire Danes, um, <laughs> and uh, Jim Parsons from uh, Most Famous for Big Bang Theory. Um, yeah. <coughs> Octavia Spencer is also in it in a small role that is really strong, though. Um, and actually, uh, a woman who is like in everything recently, Judy Greer, who is in... Um, or I'm not not Judy Greer. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I messed up her name. Ann Dowd is the name that I wanted. Ann Dowd was in Hereditary though, uh, and she's in A Kid Like Jake, and she's in something else I just saw. Um, I might see it in a second. Oh, um, I know. But I watched that as a screener. My reviews up on Captain on Fantastic. Yeah, she's in a lot of stuff. Um, she was in uh uh oh the show Leftovers on HBO um TV series. Um, 
I watched with my wife Wonder Wheel, the Woody Allen movie from last year, and I know you're not a big Woody Allen fan because of who Woody Allen is as a person. Yeah, and I gotta say, I the movie's gorgeous, and your boy Justin Timberlake's in it, and Kate Kate Winslet is in it as well. Um, uh, it's a gorgeous movie. Like it just it looks like the color palette is so cool. I really really like the way it looks. Um, the story's interesting, but there is one story element that you're like, why would Woody Allen even have that as a reference? Like, in a movie like this, um, there's a reference with that. It's not that a dad does something with the daughter, but it's implied that the dad has, like, a crush on his daughter, almost. And I'm just like, why would Woody Allen put that in a movie? Why would well, you do that? Well, we know why. I know, but why? Like, exactly. He knows we know why. Why would you do it? Because he's, like, rubbing our noses in it. It kind I of is. Know. And that makes it a little harder to deal. And again, it's not that it's actually happening. It's just, like, a reference. And, yeah. But um, I rented another A24 film, uh, How to Talk to Girls at Parties. Um, I liked. Didn't love. It's super watchable, though. Like, it'd, it'd be very easy to rewatch. It's uh, just kind of crazy kind of reminded me of like dude where's my car like craziness where like oh. you never really know what's going on exactly and then you do but you're not sure because there's no way that makes sense but yeah it does appear to be that thing um and it's set in the 80s like uh, actually i'm sorry set in the early no late 70s british punk movement um nicole kidman's in it too which is just not a Who's normal role she? for her she's not a mom she's like the mom oh. of all the punks she's like a punk lady other punk yeah kind of crazy um, I watched a film called Summer of 1993, which uh, is a Spanish film that um, is reminiscent of the Florida Project in that it follows a six-year-old um, who has lost her parents and she's moving in with her aunt and uncle, uh, going from the big city of Barcelona into a smaller city in 1993. Um, and it's it's a interesting movie. Um, it's a little slow at times, but it the end is an emotional payoff that's pretty strong. Um, I watched Milk uh, last night instead of going to see Ocean's 8 on its uh, premiere. And I made the right choice because it rained really, really hard out here last night. And the power went out at our local theater, I heard. Um, only for a few minutes, though. So everyone still got to finish their movie. But I, I don't like when that happens. It interrupts my whole process. Um, but I was I stayed home and watched Milk with my wife. And we were both kind of blown away, which I'll talk more about in a little bit. But uh, tonight... I. I ended up taking my wife to go see Ocean's 8 right before the recording of this, which um, I got to say, if you're a fan of the Ocean's films, um, it's uh, it lives up, I think, to a lot of the other Ocean's. I, I actually have only seen Ocean's 11. I didn't see 12 or 13. Um, this is a sequel in a sense. It's not a reboot, but it, it does focus on new characters, but it's in the same universe as the other Ocean's films. Um, I guess you could say it's a it's a universe now but um i thought the ladies in it were all fantastic uh you know sandy b was like i think top of her game um anne hathaway was really good uh kate blanchett's always awesome helen bonna carter's great mindy kaling's awesome aquafina doesn't get a lot to do but i haven't really been introduced to her until this movie i'm kind of intrigued by her do you know who she is no but that's okay. <laughs> uh, it's spelled very fun too it's not like the water it's like aqua like awkward um fina so it's a w k um and i think she's a rapper comedian like she's like a mixture of the two um she's got some funny stuff i've watched one of her music videos she's pretty funny uh R rihanna is in the film as well and i feel like i'm leaving oh uh sarah paulson um and it's it's a really strong cast they all do really great with it um there's james corden i think it's corbin excuse me right 
I don't know. Um, the dude that has that one show where he sings karaoke in the car, that dude's in it. And, uh, yeah, there's some other people. Um, I We had a lot of fun with it. If you've seen the Oceans films, though, you'll definitely recognize the formula in play. And uh, still, it, it, it it's great. It's not amazing or anything, but it's, it's enjoyable. Definitely a, a good popcorn movie. Um, and that's what I've watched this week. But the one TV show that I started this week, Corey, I don't know if you've seen this or not, but I started Bates Motel. I can't watch it. Really? I tried. Wow. I am surprised by that because Vera Farmiga is in it and you are a fan of her. Is she the mom? She is the mom. Okay. I watch, I think, one or two episodes and there's one scene that really bothered me and oh, yeah. I just yep. couldn't do it anymore. The, uh, I was like, I can't. Goodbye. I, I've watched three episodes and I that's the show that I could not. I watched the first two episodes right before I went to bed. Um, after playing hours of a zombie game called State of Decay 2, and I I did not sleep well, um, not from nightmares so much, but I could not stop thinking about it, um, and I woke up and watched another episode after only four hours of sleep. So you know, I haven't watched so it then again you're just uh, since. Um, yes, but it's not because I haven't wanted to. I've been trying to get caught up on screeners, and then we um, I think I did something one day. I was like out all day or something like that, but. Uh, I really like what I've seen. It is, it's messed up though. Totally agree. It is a tough. And there are some things that I just can't, I just can't handle. Like I tried to watch, I spit on your grave because, uh, oh yeah. my God, okay. all the I people love going. like horror and, oh, it's, you know, such a, mm-hmm. you know, good no. film. And it's like, I watched most of it and I just couldn't anymore. Like, yeah, yeah, I agree like, with you. Um, I agree actually. And both in what you're referring to. I also, I didn't think it was going to start so quickly to be crazy you know what i mean like no. i kind of thought it would take just a while like, Boom, here you are yeah you you were in crazy in like the first five minutes and um it goes i didn't know it was a reimagining of the psycho story either i thought it was like a prequel to the movie but it's like no it's like it's its own thing because it's, like it's modern, set in modern it? day yeah um so i was like i was kind of intrigued by that and also i am a purist uh i do love psycho so like i was kind of like oh don't mess with my alfred hitchcock movie but then again it's it's intriguing and it was a book first so i mean it's adaptable but um i, I like what i've seen i, I think i'm going to stick it through because it's only it's only 50 episodes which is a lot but at the same time it's not um it could be way more like lost i don't know how many episodes lost is but there's six seasons and the first three seasons have like 22 episodes each so yeah it gets long so 50 doesn't feel as bad but um and it's, it is over now and it's all on netflix so all right Corey. Dun dun dun! From here forward, we're gonna talk about this movie probably in great detail. You've been it's, warned. It's not really what it's. it's, it's you're early. Oh. <laughs> oh, oops. Well, here we are. We can just start now. Boom. I thought you were gonna say it was my job, I and know. I'm really bad at my job. I was gonna say we need to talk about milk. Um, before we get yeah. into it, the tale of the tape, so to speak. Uh, milk was from 2008, directed by Gus Van Sant, uh, star Sean Penn. Um, it stars Josh Berlin, kind of. Uh, Emil Hirsch, who is definitely in there. I almost unrecognizable. I didn't recognize him <gasps> for know. several like, minutes. Is that Emil? Is that mm-hmm. him? And then I was like, it's him. Diego Luna recognized immediately. James Franco recognized immediately. Allison Pill. Victor Garber, um, who's in a lot of stuff, but I, I don't always see him. Uh, Dennis O'Hare, who is John Briggs in the movie. I love him. Um, Joseph Cross, who I'm not super familiar with, but I know who he was in the movie. I'm seeing... So several other people who were in the movie I'm not as familiar with. Um, but uh, this movie has an 84 Metacritic and a 7.6 IMDb user score. 
and I know it won some Academy Awards. Um, Corey, you picked this movie for our theme this month, which I should remind the listeners. I... Our, our theme this month is LBGTQ+. And uh, what made you pick this one? It has been on my list for a very long time. <coughs> I've just been intrigued by it. Um, mm. I don't really know. I've just really been interested in well, it for a long time, but I just kept putting it off. I, I don't really know. Like, I knew that Sean Penn won an award for this, and he did. He won Best Performance. Um, by a, by an actor in a leading role for uh, his performance as Harvey Milk. Um, I did not know anything about Harvey Milk. I didn't know who Harvey Milk was, um, and I had ne- I just never had an interest in it. I never I don't even remember seeing a trailer or anything for this. Um, I've seen the box art, and the box art's not super like it doesn't like oh well, you should watch me in my eyes. Um, and I knew nothing about this story, which kind of upsets me a lot. Um, that I knew because nothing it's about this story. Effing importance. It's uh, so many things about it is are not important. It's intriguing. It's crazy. Um, some of the details, which we'll get to in spoilers, but um, well, I already laid the foundation for that. Which we're not there yet, though. <laughs> no. um, it did win also for best original screenplay, um, but it was nominated for best picture, but did not win. Uh, nominated for best supporting actor for Josh Berlin. Um, and nominated for Best Director for Gus Van Sant. And Van Sant has... Uh, it's funny that I mentioned Psycho, because if you are not familiar, Gus Van Sant did the 1990, I think, 3 remake of uh, Psycho? Oh, I thought it was later than that. Maybe, maybe it's 90... I thought it was like 98 or something. Okay, I could be off. I could be off. Maybe it's 98. I'm, I'm pulling it up. Uh, it, you are correct, exactly. 1998, which starred Vince Vaughn and... Um, ooh, Anne Heche. I always forget her name. And then Julianne Moore and... Uh, I I need to rewatch this because I keep forgetting Viggo Mortensen is uh, in it. Um, I enjoyed that remake. I don't know how everybody else feels about it, but I like it. Well, most people hate it. Um, it's interesting because Robert Forrester and Philip Baker Hall are in that. I kind of I saw it as a kid. Um, in fact, I believe that was my first version of Psycho that I saw. Um, my mom took me to see it at Mugs and Movies when it came, and uh, I remember being just very disturbed over when he first like looks at her through the peephole because of the sounds that uh van sant added that is not in the original movie but um i i uh it's notorious film to say the least but um you know it's definitely uh you remake because it's not just like he readapted it like the tv show psycho he went for a shot for shot remake and i'm doing quote fingers because it's not a hundred percent the same but it is very very close um yeah, I, I kind of want to rewatch it just to, as like now that I'm so familiar with Psycho, I've taught Psycho, I've I've watched it many many times, um, I've read about it, I've I've analyzed it to the point of ridiculousness, I think. And, so John is a professional here, not me. Well, <laughs> so, so I'd like to rewatch uh, Van Sant's version because I've not seen it from that perspective. I've only seen it before I saw the original. So, um, and I was you know, uh, six sixteen, I think. So. Um, yep, 100% sure, 16. So, uh, I'd like to, to give it another go. But, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about Van Sant's film, Milk. Um, I already said that I thought it was outstanding. Uh, you were the one who picked it. Were you happy with your choice? Exceeded expectations. Um, I was most impressed by the story, I think, more than anything, and, and the performances. Um, in fact, for Emil Hirsch, I think this is the first time I've liked him in a movie. Um, cause I did, I didn't really like him in Alpha Dogs and, uh, he's in the, what's the, is it Lords of Dogtown is the actual yeah, movie? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Cause there's a documentary, um, I think it's Z-Boy and 
the I don't remember one's one Z boy and something. The other one's the Lords of Dogtown. I think that's yeah, Lords of Dogtown. And I I liked that movie kind of. I didn't really like Emil Hirsch in the movie, um, but I liked him a lot in this movie. Uh, love Sean one Penn. Of my favorites. Yeah, me too, actually. And I love Sean Penn in this. And I, I'm not. I don't dislike Sean Penn, but I've seen some Sean Penn movies that I don't like, and so I'm not. I'm not enthralled to go watch a Sean Penn film. Um, I do love Josh Brolin, and I love that he keeps popping up in our movies on this on the show. No, on accident. It, it is on accident. It's almost like we're doing like the year of Josh Brolin, but we're not. He just keeps popping up in these awesome movies that we had missed for some reason. And um, I really liked him a lot in this, even though I, I was disappointed with the amount of time he was in the movie. Um, the biggest the biggest shock for me, and sorry, I'm not trying to steal all of the time here, um, was James Franco, though, because... Wait, he wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't obnoxious. Like, I exactly. enjoyed his screen time. I was like, why can't you always be like this? He was subtle and uh, kind of composed and... Um, he played a different type of character than he often plays, and I really, really liked him in this, um, which is uh, is saying something, because I often don't like Franco. Um, and I was excited to see Allison Pill, because, you know, she's Kim in Scott Pilgrim, yes. so it, uh, anytime she's in something, I'm always excited. I'm like, ooh, I hope she gets to do stuff. She didn't get to do a whole lot, but she did get to do some important stuff, so I'm I happy she she was a badass. She, like, went in yes. there and whipped everything, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and she had total confidence, which is great. Um very different than her role as Kim uh, for most of Scott Pilgrim, where she's kind of indifferent and, and satirical. Um, I believe she was in uh, Mike Birbiglia's Sleepwalk With Me as well, which I like that movie a whole lot. So, um, and, oh, interesting. Um, I, but, so you liked it, I liked it. I did have some little nitpicky issues with the filmmaking part of the movie. Um no. But nothing, <laughs> not allowed. nothing that uh, destroys the, the experience. Because, again, I feel like this story um, is one that people should know. And I, I didn't. And this movie's not that old. It's only 10 years old. Um, and I had, you know, it won an Academy Award. But I still don't feel like enough people have seen this. In fact, I know because a very good friend of mine who is a history teacher who loves history, like obsesses over history, who knows about the Harvey Milk story, didn't even know the movie existed. Oh, and so and she's not a super movie person, but she's definitely like a movie person. So um, that the fact that she hadn't seen it and didn't know about it says something to me that this needs to we need to talk about this movie. It's it's really it's it's a crazy story. It's an important story. Um, I hated that Florida got dragged into it again. But, you know, like in a way that it was not a good way. But at the same time, um, it did set their path ablaze. So. Um, the, the odd thing about this movie, we cut, I guess we could have jumped right into spoilers because this is a true story to a degree. Obviously it's a biopic, so it's not a documentary. So there's, um, going to be liberties and exaggerations and hyperbole and all sorts of that kind of thing. But it is, uh, based on a real person and real events. Um, damn. Oh, okay. So I just realized this. Um, <laughs> I feel like we're just going to talk about, I'm just going to start talking. Um, so I didn't realize that the year that this came out was the year that we voted on Amendment 2. Oh, interesting. Because I still live there <laughs> for one oh, more year yep, after that. Yep. Um, but I didn't realize that. And I knew when we went in to vote for this, I knew that they were going to, like, word it so that it just didn't sound appealing to anyone. And I felt like they made it sound like it was for plural marriage, but we were really just voting. I mean, it's so I just feel like 
it's this is still so relevant because it's I mean, in just a few years ago, we were voting in Idaho to add the four words to protect people and their jobs against, you know, I'm not very good with words sometimes, but because of their sexual orientation. Um, yeah, no, um, I mean, I, did you just like pull that up by chance or? I was like, I felt like it happened. It must have happened around the same time. I was like, oh, okay. I know that we were voting about this and I know that it was really about same sex marriage. And I asked a coworker and cause she got to vote early because her husband is in the service. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. she was like, yeah, they totally made it sound like that when I was reading it. So I just was, I just it made me think of it for some reason, just how like this took place in the seventies and here we are. And it's still... Yeah, I mean, I mean, gay marriage has only been legal for... I mean, this isn't about gay marriage. This is about gay rights um, in general, uh, which was, you know, a bigger deal. And um, let's let's get into uh, spoilers real quick. Uh, go ahead, Corey. Do your I job. I already did it. No, you didn't. You, I, I cut you off. <laughs> no. Okay, so guys, we're going to talk about Milk in great detail. It's from 2008. Go watch it on Netflix or Full Steam Ahead. We're going to talk about this. And also, it's real life, so you could... Wikipedia it if you, you know. Wait, wait, did you say milk? Milk. Oh, no. milk. Okay. Um, no, that, which that makes a... me think of that stupid video, milk. Oh my god, have milk. you seen that? Milk? I fucking hate it. Oh, you're cursing a lot. Um, I know, I'm sorry. It's funny, because uh, the other day I made that joke to my daughter, and then she had never seen the video, so I showed her the video. And yes. I, um, last night when she came home, she was uh, out with her friend, and she came home after uh, Kathy and I watched the movie, and um, Kathy was like, I think telling Taylor that she should watch the movie, that I think it's important that you see it. And Taylor's like, what was the movie? I'm like, Milk. And she's like, Milk? And Kathy doesn't get it. But Taylor and I are like <laughs> dying. <laughs> um, and so like that's uh, a little Julian Smith reference there, um, old school YouTubers. But so um, I, I didn't know anything about this. I, I, at the very beginning of the movie, though, Gus Van Sant does not hide the ending. He tells us in a news report that he's going to die. Um, you hear him say Harvey Milk was assassinated. So I knew at the very beginning of the movie. Now, my wife missed that. So when the end was coming, she's like, is he going to die? I'm like, yeah, they, they told us he's going to die. And she's like, I didn't hear that. I'm like, hmm, yep, that's, that's, you're going to be upset then because he's about to die like any second. No, no. Um, now, what I didn't catch, though, when they said it, because I think they said who killed him, and I didn't hear that. So I wasn't sure who was going to do it. Um, and I when, don't remember them saying that. It, it's a hundred percent a news report says it but it is it's again my attention to details like that have become um almost like a spider sense as uh i've trained myself to look for like the little little things that are likely going to be important later that we will initially think are not um that is something that i i tend to be pretty good at, at i miss some and you you catch some that i didn't I, I don't remember there was a movie you saw recently where you're like i figured it out and i'm like what really i had no clue that was going to happen um, this one, again, I don't think he was trying to hide it though. I think this was just, it was like, there was a lot of stock footage or a lot, uh, archival footage at the beginning of the movie, like actual news footage of things that are happening. I liked his use of those things throughout the movie. Yes. I, I, I didn't, didn't. Um, the one thing, uh, Harvey is recording a tape cassette, um, throughout the film. He's like narrating his life. And to be listened to if he is assassinated. And I wish they gave us a frame of time of when he recorded the tapes. Because that's the thing. If they might have and I missed it. Um, but I didn't, like, 
when did he finish recording the tapes in reference to his actual death? Because in the movie, it could be like the same, like he could have finished it the day before, but I feel like it was probably way earlier in his political career, you know, um, because he got his well, was, uh, death threat like early, early on in his political runnings. Well, we know it was after at least the second time he ran because he had the haircut. <laughs> ah, valid point. Valid point. He was not the hippie anymore. Um, and um, but I did I did like that. I thought that was interesting, um, especially I'm assuming those tapes are real, which I've not done any research to find out if that is true or not. If it is, it's far more intriguing than if it's just a plot device uh, or a narrative device in the film. Um, <coughs> excuse me. But I um, still, I was very shocked at who the assassin was. And that, I think, is one of the most important parts of this whole story um, because of the nonsense that happens. Uh, one, it, it was, you can't say it's not a hate crime, but it wasn't, it wasn't someone who was like, anti-homosexual rights activist or something you know what i mean like it wasn't some some enthusiast or uh someone who you would expect it was a co it was a colleague it was another elected official who had resigned and they had had some conflict with each other but he apparently had had enough of everything he shoots the mayor and then goes and shoots harvey um and then, i don't understand like how you're able to shoot someone three times and then walk through the building i don't even care if you leave the back way there's no way that someone wouldn't have you know what i mean i would because like to think not um especially with a silencer like I, you can still hear guns i don't i think they even show that the secretary heard some loud thumps so yeah um i don't know how he was able to do that either that was shocking, and again, that could be for the movie. Um, it might be that the actual events took place slightly differently. Um, even, like, the part that I thought was a little too movie was Harvey looking out the window at the opera. Oh, yeah. And then, like, being executed. Like, I'm like, I don't know if he was, like, did he get shot three times, fall to his knees, turn around, look out the window, have a moment to reflect on his favorite opera, and then be shot in the back of the head? I don't know if that was just for the movie. I've not read about the details of the assassination. But mm -hmm. I am still, the thing that shocked me the most was that he got away with manslaughter. I know, because wouldn't that be, I mean, I'm not, I don't know a lot about law, but manslaughter is usually when it's not premeditated or purpose, on purpose. Uh, they, they said it wasn't, I, it's, they argued, there's a, in the end captions, it calls it the Twinkie defense, and I've read uh, the Wikipedia about the Twinkie defense. Um, the argument in the movie that it says in the captions is that he got off because he was eating uh, too, much too much junk food and it messed up his balance. What the actual defense is, according to the article I read on Wikipedia, so I guess grain of salt, but it sounds much more plausible than the, that as a defense, is that the amount of junk food he was eating was indicative of a larger mental health disorder called depression, and that he was so out of sorts, hence the bad diet, that that is why he killed them, and thus a mental health argument got him manslaughter. Um, which is much more plausible than a dietary. And then again, I think the implications is that it was um, because of Harvey's standing as a, uh, an outed gay man in the time period where they were fighting for gay rights in a world where gay uh, homosexuality was definitely still not accepted. I mean, it's barely accepted now, and it's 2018, you know. So, um, I mean, people were still fighting, as you pointed out, 10 years ago, we were still fighting for, uh, you know, equality amongst homosexuality and heterosexuals and 
uh, at least were closer. But there's still a lot of hate out there and things like that, um, which is why I, I think partly why we're participating in, in the month of June with uh, LBGTQ+. Um, I think that it also, like when I was watching the movie, we hear a lot about the women's movement and we always equate civil rights movement with yes. black people. We always like recognize those movements, mm-hmm. but we don't really talk about the gay I, I knew nothing about Movement, this. Like, um, there were no. so many details. Uh, one, um, like that how? I, oh, go ahead. Well, I, I love um, how this all kind of plays out. That Harvey, we when we first meet Harvey and he meets Franco, um, whose name was Scott. He's playing the character Scott, um, or real life person um, in New York. He is um, not out. Insurance uh, salesman. Yeah, and he's not out because of the the atmosphere and like there's references to like the police brutality towards gay men, and um... see that is what I really liked about the like archival footage um, oh, yeah. is they they're like showing these cops like I'm pretty sure that they show some scenes of them like beating them but they're just showing them like packing them into police station wagons and like hauling them off and I've never seen any kind of visuals like that. Um, yeah, I agree. Uh, not, not for, um, like you said, like we think civil rights movements, we think the women's movement, we think of the, um, the black movement where we were, you know, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X as the leaders and obviously tons and tons and tons of other people involved, but those are the two, um, I, I guess figureheads when the, the movement is discussed. Um, and I, I don't know. Uh, I didn't know. I mean, obviously the fight had to start somewhere like the idea of rights i didn't know when i didn't know where um and i I will say too i've always heard that san francisco had a a very large uh homosexual population but i didn't know anything about it and this makes sense like they started kind of the 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 revolution it was like 20 percent of the population in the movie um i think I, I don't know it, the number, but yeah, they, I think they did say something because they was they were talking about voting like like logistics and stuff, and that unfortunately, where my brain does not process stuff like that, so I was like, uh, um, like I also don't know why they were boycotting Coors beer. I know they were asked to, but I don't know like why. I didn't understand like oh was Coors like anti homosexual at some point like or was it just some other company was trying to like push them out so they would people would buy their beer like i i didn't get why they did that I but i can't remember now that you're saying it but i do remember that he said that they started hiring out out like gay men who were you know out um as their drivers cores did yeah is that why did no, they oh that's probably they probably fired somebody then who was outed i think oh geez now that we're talking about it, i'm like Okay, yeah, I don't I feel know. Like it was Coors. I, I, it was definitely Coors beer, but I didn't, I didn't get why they were boycotting it though. I guess is what, you know, like I, I knew what they were boycotting. I didn't know why they were doing it, and that I missed that part somehow. But um, nonetheless, uh, I was, I was impressed with so much of the performances. Um, uh, Brolin as the villain, um, which I kind of didn't see coming. I actually thought Diego Luna's uh, Jack was gonna be the like. Because he was oh. crazy. I thought he would he kill... crazy as heck. Yeah, I thought he would end up killing Harvey and then himself um, because of jealousy or something, which uh, he does kill himself, uh, which was a tragic moment in the film when he finds him and how he blames himself. Um, uh, but yeah, um, man, there was some really good stuff, and it was super... 
uh, it was devastating I, seeing him killed. Yes, and I like first. So they go to this part of San Francisco. The what was it? The Cora. Uh, it was um, the theater. The Castro. Is, yeah, no. you're right. Is, the Castro is the yeah. seat, the street that they're on. Oh, what's the name of the? Because I thought that they were um, kind of like gathered around the theater, so I thought it, they were calling it. I thought the Castro was a the theater, so that's my bad. Okay. But um, he, like, right when they move there, they get a place to live, and he decides to open a camera shop, yep. and they think that they can be out, and it's fine. And then I. Did you notice when he was shaking the hand of the person he was leasing the building from, the guy, like, took out something and wiped his hands off, and then, like, like don't touch me? Yeah, that and that was kind of, like, um, the whole discussion about how businesses who didn't accept homosexuals would, would get shut down and the other businesses would open up. And, they did it for real. Um, and, I, and just watching him, like, kind of fall into activism was really cool um, because he wasn't a politician. He was just – he was an insurance salesman. Um who then started a camera store, but cared about something so much that he put his own life at risk. And obviously, um, kind of indirectly is the cause of his death. I mean, again, um, he was expecting to be assassinated because he was fighting the system. You know, there were some big opposition out there. Um, what's, uh, Anita Bryant, who started the movement uh. in Dade County, Florida, um, who got, uh, was getting gay rights, rev- uh, revoke where people could fire someone for being gay and uh, that starts happening across the country where they're revoking the laws that give they wanted their housing too yeah they wanted to not be able to be denied normal human rights because of their sexual orientation that's all they wanted that's all they were asking for at at that moment and when it like moved to california they were trying to fire all the homosexual teachers yeah yeah fighting um and calling them uh pedophiles pedophiles and Um, it's uh, equivalent equivalent to bestiality. Yeah, uh, and that I was still really... that's when when gay marriage was on the 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 you know the list. Yeah. People were like, "Well, what's to stop us from marrying animals?" I'm like, "How? How are you what? even making that? How are you like coming going from A to B there? What are you doing?" And I I understand this is a, uh, a there are a divisive topic. There are still people who don't agree with this. Um, my my philosophy of of humanity is. If, if you're not hurting someone else, then we shouldn't be denying you your human rights, period. Like, if you're not, you know, killing people or raping people or, you know, it, it's ridiculous that we are trying to control other people's sexual orientation. Like, it's not affecting you. Then don't worry about it. Just let people be people because you probably do something that someone doesn't like and you're probably not being punished for it. As, again, as long as you're not infringing on someone else's uh, rights to do the same. You're not hurting people or something in the process of doing the thing that you're doing. Then we, we, we need to chill out and let humans be humans and love each other and accept each other. Because that's all they were, uh, all every one of these civil... If we look at the women's movement, if we look at the, uh, the African-American movement in America, or if we look at the gay rights movement, they are all looking for the same thing, which is to be treated as equal. And that shouldn't be that freaking hard. It shouldn't it, even be a thing. It shouldn't be. It's ridiculous that it was ever we not a thing. We should be talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. And well, it's, what's sad is that we're still talking about it because it's still an issue. It's not resolved because uh, even the equality that the those three movements have got is not equal. There is still a, a, an indifference. And, of course, I am among the, the freaking you know, patriarch, essentially, um, being a white male. 
but uh, and a, a straight white male at that. So I am in none of those categories, um, and yet I see yeah, there's a problem, like a clear problem, and um, I I I was kind of sh- uh, the most upset because one he only gets five years in jail for killing two men a mayor and uh, the city supervisor for his district and all because and i would love to know what deal the police officers made to him because he gives his resignation yes he's walking out and then he's pulled into the office of the city police something happens behind closed doors and then he comes out all of a sudden he wants his job back now, of course, that's done in the movie. I don't know how yeah. accurate that would have played out in real life. Like, because Harvey sees him go into the police thing, you know, like it's that's very much for the film. I think uh, over dramatized, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I could be wrong, of course. It's possible that it happened right in front of Harvey, but um, it does feel a little too on the nose for Harvey to have witnessed it. Um, but I am curious as to what happened to make why resign and then immediately want your job back and then be so upset when you don't get your job back. You know, um, and and then when he got out of prison, though, he went to San Francisco and killed himself two years later, two years later. But still, like, why go back to San Francisco and why kill yourself? Now, um, it's alluded at uh, Harvey says early on when he first meets Dan White that he thinks he's a closeted gay man. And oh, yeah. I don't know if maybe if that's maybe part of all of it. Maybe he was uh, maybe the cops threatened to out him or something, you know, um, I don't know. Uh, I am. It was shocking. Um, I didn't expect it to be someone in that position to do something like that. And more, though, it happened in 1978. I'm born in 1982, and I've never heard of this. You know? Like, I I feel like by the time I get to high school history, this should be on the, the, the curriculum. Like... I feel like so many important things or so many... I feel like we learned about this... I don't know about you, but I learned about the same stuff every year in history. The, the stakes of this movie are, make it where if San Francisco loses the vote for, was it Proposition 6, I think, or something like Something 6, um, where they, the people would have been able to fire anybody, the teachers or whatever. I think it was specifically the teachers they were looking at. If that had happened, it's implied that the whole country would have done the same because it already started. Like, Dade County had done it, and I think Minnesota had voted, and blah, blah, blah. And it was happening, happening, happening. Um, if San Francisco had lost, because San Francisco being a, a high population, that the rest of the country would have done that. Who knows what would have happened at that point? Would it have been a civil war? Like, you know, what would have transpired? Um, now, at the same time, it still could have turned over somewhere else. But the, they set the stakes in this film as though this was it. This was the last stand. If San Francisco would have voted it in, everything Harvey had worked for would have been pointless, and gay rights as we know it would maybe cease, um, or at least at at that time. And instead, they win, and everything is going in the positive until Harvey's killed and a leader of the movement is is taken out, but not the movement itself. And you, he's established quite a group around him that you can see. I... Uh, the, were you about to mention the parade? I love, though, when he goes into these groups of angry people, and they're so riled up, and he's like, I want to recruit you. Yeah. I'm like, yes. That wording uh, is such a good uh, rhetorical device. Like, I want to recruit you is so good. Um, And uh, the the march at the end where, like, they go to his funeral, and it's really empty, and it's Allison Pill, 
and uh, James Franco, which I wasn't really sure of their connection. Like, I mean, they were obviously connected because of Harvey, but I don't know why, why were they the two that were together? It felt like kind of, again, another movie moment that it's like Scotty and, and the campaign manager. I think both were campaign managers at, at one point. So I, um, it was a little like, would they be friends? I don't know. But nonetheless, um, and then they go out and you see all the people marching um, and it goes to the archival footage of the march and like, oh man, that was really inspiring. At the end? Yeah, where you see all the, like, the candles. Was it 30,000? Uh, I, I didn't people? see it. I don't remember the number. I was kind of, I was choked up a little bit. Um, this t- Movies like this where you see an injustice done, especially when an assassin um, gets off with like almost no cr- no time. Uh, Fruitvale Station did the same to me because of the uh, the cop doesn't get charged with like anything um, for killing a man who was handcuffed and laying on his stomach on the ground, uh, shooting him in the back. Doesn't get doesn't go to jail. Um, cool. Yeah, spoilers for Fruitvale Station, I guess, but true story also. Uh, like that one really crushed me, and this one devastated me, and I, I was I was so. I guess I was maybe a little bit of solace that he he didn't like live a normal life afterwards. Yeah, like that. I'm not glad he killed himself, mind you, but I am still like, well, it's not like he's living a life outside of jail. Like, again, not not glad that he killed himself because I don't I don't like to uh, take joy in someone's death, but I I am glad that some type of justice was served essentially that it wasn't like he got to live his normal life and get his position back or whatever um after he took harvey's life but i i was uh shocked that i knew so little about this story and i am compelled to learn more um for so many reasons and i want other people to learn more it's one of the reasons i'm really glad you picked this movie because not only do i think it's a very entertaining movie my wife was also severely engaged um like sometimes she she'll will put movies on and she'll like do other stuff or whatever she watched this movie she didn't get up um you know she was into this film and so was i um very compelling really great performances i i have uh no no hesitation to say a must see um even with a few of my little nitpicks i mentioned earlier but i i was really blown away by it um i'm glad i finally watched it and same i loved it yeah, and I'm glad you loved it because it, it is always, um, it's always bad when you pick a movie and you're, you're not happy with it because it's like, oh, I picked this, I did this to myself. But when you pick one and it's great, you're like, oh, sweet. Um, and uh, I, I love, I love doing this podcast because I like getting to to watch it. Because again, I don't think I would have ever, it's not been on any of my list like that. I like I'm trying to like watch the uh, hundred AFI films, the best like top one hundred which is not easy to do because some of them are hard to get. Like they're like even digital, you have to pay like 15 bucks to get them because they're, Holy uh, goodness. well, there's a lot of older films on the AFI top 100. Cause it's like, there's like three Charlie Chaplin films and, um, the uh, one that I know I'm not going to watch, which is, um, Intol- uh, intolerance, the GW Griffith film about, um, the KKK is as heroes. Uh, um, what it, it's, he revolutionizes film in the in the movie, but it is one of the most awful movies ever made. It's also like I think a three hour epic uh, with a white man in blackface who is the villain of the movie, uh, who depicts black people as stereotypes. But he um, invented like four or five camera techniques that are still used in in major movies today um, to make intolerance. So that's why it's on the list. 
Uh, and I'm like, you know what? I've seen the scenes with the camera stuff. I'm good. I don't need to see that movie. But the other 99, I'm planning on trying to watch at some point. I'm halfway there. Actually, I'm at 48. <coughs> but uh, Milk is not on any of those lists that I've I've looked at. And yet, I feel like it probably should be. And if we were to redo our biopic top five, I think this would probably be on my list right now. Um, and I... I felt like um, I I don't watch all of Sean Penn's films, but I, you know, like I love him and I am Sam, and I rewatched that a few months ago. I've, and I've never seen that actually. Oh, I like it a lot, and I just I feel like I love Harvey Milk. I feel like yeah, I know it's a movie, yep. but I feel like he's the kind of person I would just be drawn to, and I would want to I would go out of my way to try to know him. Yeah, and uh, and he's so charismatic. He is, and he's got like a, there's a a general joy about his activism in the film. Like it's not, it is a drive. Like there is a seriousness to it, but there is like a um, I don't know. There's like a an air of of happiness that I don't know but, that you see in a lot of movies about activism. Where like, even though he's stressed out and he's he is working really hard and he's got all these people around him, he's he's never like it never comes off as negative or aggressive. He's just hey, we just want equality. That's all we want. We just want to be able to live our lives and be happy. Like, that's it. And and I love the encouragement of um, of everyone coming out of the closet, like how he kind of forces his hand, and, and it's debatable. There are people who don't all like the idea of making people come out, but I think, I kind of think his point is, like, we shouldn't have ever been in the closet. Like, that's part of the problem, is that we are hiding. Um, and... I think that's so big. And it's one of the things as a high school teacher um, that's refreshing in a way, because in today's world, people are, are much more okay with being who they are. And that is definitely not how it was when we were in high school. And I know we were a few years apart in high school, but nonetheless, like I'm pretty sure yours was the same. People who were gay were not welcome to be gay. And if, you, if they were, it was everyone talked about it. Everyone was like, oh, did you hear? So-and-so is gay. And it was like this thing. Now it's like, hey, did you hear? No, because everyone heard. Like, what are you talking about? No one talks about that like that. I mean, not to say no one, because it's not 100% accepted yet. But it's definitely, it's making, making its way. progress. And um, the idea of, if you've ever had to pretend to be something you're not. Every single person ever. Yeah, it's never a good thing. But imagine if that, if not being the thing you say you are would cause your family to hate you would cause people to want to hurt you um how much worse they had worse to start wearing whistles they were wearing whistles so that other people would know they were being attacked or beaten i mean one brilliant uh strategy because it was obviously a problem because the time periods actually overlap with um brokeback mountain too um if i'm not mistaken when when uh jack is killed i know it's not the same because it's not the, it's not a f- true movie, Brokeback Mountain, but um, the time period of the still gay, depiction of the yeah, it's still that same time period of homosexual rights not being accepted, especially in the Midwest, which we see, um, you know, again through Briggs and uh, Bryant. But um, I, I guess I, I I think it's a movie everyone needs to watch. Um, it's it's imp- it's an important story. It's a story that I think we need to keep talking about, and. Um, and yeah, uh, that's it. I, I just was definitely... Oh, I did not realize this weird coincidence until just now. Um, uh, so, our next week's movie. 
Um, I don't remember exactly how. I think I did a search for uh, important LBGTQ movies um, when we were making our list, and I've never seen this film, and it's got some people in it that I really want to see, and it's from uh, where you you currently live, Corey, in at least in the title. Um, <laughs> this is uh, my own private Idaho. And I didn't realize this until just now, but it's directed by Gus Van Sant. Gus Van Sant. Um, stars River Phoenix, Keanu Reeves, uh, James Russo. Um, I don't. I didn't know this was an LBGTQ movie. Um, have you seen My Own Private Idaho? I have. I've seen at least most of it. I own it. Okay. So is um it is though a um a home- yeah okay uh yeah and it's not a spoiler. Keanu Reeves and River Phoenix are kind of a couple. Well, because in in the uh, description, it's very ambiguous. It says two best friends um, discover their relationship, but it doesn't like, you know, it's like alluding to, but not outright saying it. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, so obviously I found this on a list because that's why I I wouldn't have put it on here because I don't know. I didn't know that. Um, But I've never seen it. It's it's got people that I really like, and I didn't realize Gus Van Sant, so an interesting coincidence. Um, Back to back week. It's almost like it's his month uh, for movies, but... (laughs) Um, no, this, I think this is the only other one of his that we were watching this month, but. (laughs) I have never, okay, so I've seen a couple of his movies, or I've tried to, I tried to watch Last Days, which is based off of the final days of Kurt Cobain, and it has, like, Michael Ah. Pitt and Kim Gordon, and I think Thurston Moore from, uh, Sonic Youth, and I, I think I might own it, but I just couldn't get into it. Um, I'm wondering, though, because didn't he direct Kids? Um. I don't know for sure. I saw Drugstore Cowboy uh, uh, two years ago. My wife had me watch it. Um, he did several music videos. He did To Die For, uh, Goodwill Hunting, which is um, Matt Damon, Ben oh, Affleck. So good. Yep. Um, oh my God, he directed a Hanson video. He did. Uh, he's got a lot of music videos on his under his belt here. Um, and most recently, he did Downsizing, I think, right? No. No, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. He did. Okay, uh, he wasn't the director of Kids. No. Oh my God. How did I mess that up? Um, don't worry, we won't get far on foot. Was his new movie that uh, debuted at S- uh, Sundance, I think. Um, with has a bunch of good people: uh, Jonah Hill, Joaquin Phoenix, Rooney Mara, Jack Black. Um, I've heard mixed things about it. It's got an overall positive score. Um, and then he did the Sea of Trees, which was supposed to be like super bad. Um, so yeah, he's had an up and down career. Um. You know, and obviously the questionable Psycho remake, which, again, um, not saying it's good or bad, just saying it's questionable. Um, definitely a big challenge on himself. But yeah, so this is his uh, one of his earlier films oh, after I'm sorry. Drugstore Cowboy. But um, yeah, so Gus Van Sant's uh, My Own Private Idaho will be our next week's major movie review. Plus, we will talk about what we've been watching. Um, until then, though, you can follow us on social media. Corey, how can they follow you? At Corey R Star, two R's on the end. And you can follow me at Burke Reviews. Um, that's on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd, um, which I can't recommend Letterboxd enough. I love it. I use it to keep track of all of my movie watching. Um, you can read my reviews at BurkeReviews.com. Hoping to get some other people writing uh, in the near future, but for now, it's mainly just me. Um, plus, all the podcasts uh, that we do get posted up there. For your easy listening enjoyment, of course, you can also subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or anywhere you find podcasts. Um, I think that's everything, Corey. Until next week, I will talk to you later. Bye! Keep watching movies. 
This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com. <laughs>